Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the podcast devoted to the nerdy pursuit of watchdogging journalism and those media outlets that pose as neutral and objective. Okay, some might say, do they really pose as objective anymore? Lester Holtz running around saying fairness is overrated. Did you see that? Uh, This Virginia group called the Media Institute is giving Lester Holt a Freedom of Speech Award. Now, the last time Lester accepted a journalism honor, this is when he uncorked fairness is overrated. And that implies that this award for Holt isn't really about free speech. It's about Oh, your courageous liberal bias. And that somehow the First Amendment represents sticking it to the Republicans and the MAGA conservatives who deserve lots of unfairness and censorship in the name of democracy. Because Democrats are for democracy and Republicans are for dictatorship. That's a convenient spin. They're also giving an award to Ken Burns for some kind of visionary leadership the PBS documentary maker, or as we used to, I used to call Bill Moyers, PBS omnipresence, Bill Moyers. I mean, I guess Ken Burns now is sort of holding the chair of PBS omnipresence. Anyone who thinks Ken Burns is a visionary must not have seen him comparing Ron DeSantis to Hitler, that somehow sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard can be equated with the Holocaust. That is not visionary. That is a toxic, pants-on-fire lie. He should take that back. Our top story today is debates and debate moderators. It is the season. Every night, there's a debate, sometimes more than one. Your Twitter uh, feed is clogged with debates. For example... We have this example from Georgia where a guy named Chuck Williams had a question for Stacey Abrams that was incredibly loaded. Listen. Chuck Williams, you get the first question of Stacey Abrams. Thank you, Donna. Ms. Abrams, public opinion polls in our state show support for the right to abortion, Medicaid expansion, and banning assault weapons. You are on the side of public opinion in each of these issues, yet you are behind in almost every poll. Why? Now, why would Republicans think that debates are stacked in the Democrats' favor? I mean, how liberal media is this? At a time like this, when the polls look so terrible for the Democrats on a lot of issues, is going to try to say, Stacey Abrams is on the popular side of things. So why is she not doing well? Here's a clue. She's not on the popular side of things. This is what upsets people. This is why the moderating of presidential debates is going to be a big issue. So once we get past the midterms, we're suddenly going to all be talking about primary debate season for all we know that'll start in what spring of 2023 i hope not i don't want a two-year election cycle but at least news-wise we're gonna have a two-year presidential election cycle and you know the republican national committee has already signaled that they're not going to tolerate we're going to have these internal republican debates 
with Lester Holt? No. And I think that's one thing we at Newsbusters and conservatives in general should absolutely insist that we don't need any liberal jerks in Republican primary debates. There's no need for that whatsoever. We don't need one of these things where, well, we really want to get on CNN, so we'll have Wolf Blitzer and a conservative. No. The Democrats don't have any debates on Fox when they have presidential primaries. And that should be the Republican and conservative approach. We're not doing those junky channels that hate Republicans. Just not happening. It's not necessary. You know, in today's day and age, we can uh, listen to the Republican candidates in more or less unfavorable climates, if not a favorable climate. Let's try to find a more neutral climate. Maybe some of these, of course, could be local debates with local journalists. I mean, I guess there's still, a, as we can see here from Mr. Chuck Williams in the, in the Stacey Abrams debate, just picking local people is not a guarantee either. But it beats the idea of national media people trying to make their own name by owning the conservatives. Then there's Wisconsin. My Badger State tipsters were telling me about the debate on WTMJ4. That's the NBC station in Milwaukee. This debate was bad. Part of the reason was the crowd was openly applauding for the Democrat, Mandela Barnes. Excuse me, actual name, Jesse Mandela Barnes. But he uses his middle name. Should just call himself Nelson Mandela Barnes and get it over with. Then the crowd started applauding the moderator questions. You would think this would upset the moderators. Maybe they like it because they're asking the kind of questions Democrats want asked. So when I took a look at this, this question from Shannon Sims seemed especially egregious to me, like she was applying for a national job at NBC News or at MSNBC. Just listen to this. And we want to go on. We have another question on immigration. Yes, and this question will go to you first, Mr. Johnson. Another immigration question is what do we do with the 75,000 undocumented immigrants here in Wisconsin, many who are law-abiding citizens who are also paying state and federal taxes, the country and the state know that they are here, but because they are not here legally, they live in the shadows. What is the pathway for them to become citizens that does not require deportation. This to me has a pile of the usual liberal cliches about immigration. We just need to get Hector out of the shadows. We need to have a pathway to citizenship that doesn't involve deportation in any way. Everything caters to the illegal immigrant in this question. None of this question applies to actual citizens of the United States, and it certainly doesn't apply to people who immigrate legally and might resent people who sneak in. But especially this notion of law-abiding illegal immigrants. That is an Orwellian term. Now, I understand what you're trying to say. Well, they illegally immigrated, then they've been really clean and nice. They haven't committed any crimes. Well, obviously, that's not universally true. But what the WTMJs and the uh, NBC Newses want to do is, well, we're not going to focus on crime by illegal immigrants. We're going to focus on 
illegal immigrant valedictorians. They're dreamers and valedictorians. The framing. All right, so Dan O'Donnell is a conservative radio host in Milwaukee, and he did some work for a group called the McIver Institute, M-C-I-V-E-R. He said, in two general election debates, Mandela Barnes still hasn't had to answer a substantive question about his far-left background. Oh, yes, Mandela Barnes was for defund the police. Mandela Barnes held up a T-shirt saying abolish ICE. Yeah, this guy is AOC. Barnes said he wanted to stymie capitalism to fight climate change. All our problems in America, he said, can be summed up as capitalism run amok. Oh, yeah, this is the Democrats, all right. He said climate change and gun violence can be blamed on capitalism. And that somehow is not a story. Dan O'Donnell says, as much of a spectacle as Thursday night's debate was, it paled in comparison to the six panelists in Sunday night's Wisconsin Broadcasters Association debate and how they went to protect Barnes. And he did a, a, a question analysis, very much like Newsbusters does. He found out of 19 total questions asked by the six panelists, there was not a single one on inflation. The single biggest issue facing America today. And the one that Wisconsinites have told two consecutive Marquette University polls was their most important. Instead, there were two questions on abortion, two questions on January 6th, two on student loan forgiveness, one on climate change, one on amnesty for illegal immigrants, another on water pollution, and another on gun control. Oh, yeah, and the very first question was about marijuana legalization. This is how the media sets the terms, by which issues they're going to highlight and which issues they're not going to highlight. So according to September's Marquette poll, the most recent one before the Sunday debate, the three most important issues to voters were inflation, crime, and accurate vote count. There was just one question on any of those on crime, and it came a half hour into the debate. There was not a single question about any of the three issues Republicans told the Marquette poll were most important to them, inflation, taxes, and accurate vote count. But there were five questions on the three issues most important to Democrats, gun violence, abortion, climate change. Dan O'Donnell gets it right. The only conclusion one could draw from this is that the same issues that are important to Democrats are important to the members of the media asking the questions, creating the reasonable inference that those members of the media are themselves Democrats. Now, the other shocking issue in Wisconsin, there was a story done by Daniel Bice of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Now, Daniel Bice is sort of like the John Harwood of Milwaukee journalism. He is not known as a neutral guy. But he did a story about how Jesse Mandela Barnes did a series of interviews with Russia Today, with Russian television. There where he said some radical stuff about cops. Cops are exploiting their badges. Yeah. Oh, I'm not in favor of defunding the police, but I think they're terrible. Okay. 
Um, it, you know, I think the sense in Wisconsin is that Mandela Barnes collapses when you actually ask him questions about his record. Dan O'Donnell's basically suggesting that because Barnes got through the primaries with none of the local media outlets and none of his Democrat opponents harping on his extremist stands. That just allows the Republicans to come in and start underlining the extremist stands. And I think this sort of trend is happening across the country because, yeah, the Democrats don't vet themselves. And the Democrat media don't vet the Democrats very well. And so sometimes people try to say liberal media bias can harm the Democrats, even though it's dramatically unintentional. I guess we'll see here in a couple of weeks just how dramatic it might be. Then there's the issue of Democrats ducking debates. Now, you would have to ask your, the question, yourself the question. Considering that the debate moderators are as biased as we're underlining, why would you skip a debate? You would think it'd be the Republicans who would be all skipping debates. That, I think, shows you, one, how negative the environment is for Democrats this fall. And two... <laughs> Democrats have very high standards for liberal bias. I mean, we've got Keith Olbermann out there tweeting that Andrea Mitchell should resign because she did a lickspittle interview with Nancy Pelosi that somehow wasn't lickspittle enough. How dare you ask Nancy Pelosi that they're doing badly in the polls? You're not supposed to ask her about that. You're supposed to pretend everything is great, I guess. Hush. Now, the most noticeable Democrat ducking the debate is in the Arizona governor's race, where Democrat Katie Hobbs is refusing to debate mega-Republican Carrie Lake, who is a former local TV anchorwoman. Surely, Katie is chicken because Carrie Lake is a professional communicator. But Carrie Lake goes on liberal TV channels. She'll go on CBS. She'll go on CNN, which shows you She's ready for a debate. She's not afraid to talk to liberals. I mean, every Republican who is not on the Pelosi-picked panel on January 6th is going to go on a Sunday show and have a debate with the hosts. Republicans always have to fear that. This is where Democrats... I mean, when you look at the media coverage of these campaigns, let's just once again use the analogy of putting like bumper guards in the gutters for kitty bowling. I mean, this is the way the Democrats campaign. No gutter balls for Democrats because we put bumper guards on it. Maybe they'll hit one pin, but there's no gutter balls. Hi, hi, hi. I like this. I mean, looking at some of these debates, this is the way Republicans should be talking, I think. J.D. Vance in Ohio said in a debate about his Democrat opponent, Tim Ryan's obsession with January 6th, while people can't afford the cost of groceries, shows he's not actually paying attention to the concerns of everyday voters in this state who are getting crushed by the policies that you supported, Tim Ryan. I mean, let's face it. That argument that liberals are obsessed with January 6th and not on the kitchen table issues can be spread on the media sandwich like a heavy layer of guacamole, mole, mole. CNN and MSNBC obsess over January 6th. They obsess over Trump being prosecuted by the Justice Department. 
The first 22 minutes of the Nicole Wallace show on Tuesday were all about Trump because it's just the way they do things. They're sitting there saying insane things like January 6th is worse than 9-11. I guess marijuana has been legalized right on time. (sighs) We understand they obsess over January 6th and can't focus on the economy tanking because that wouldn't be good for the Democrats. Everybody can look at the economic stats from Inauguration Day and look at it. Gas prices, then and now. Food prices, then and now. The stock market, then and now. This is the kind of thing that you'll see all over Twitter, but you will not see on ABC, on CBS, on NBC, and especially on taxpayer-funded PBS and national public radio. Over at National Review, Jim Garrity writes, If a red wave washes out scores of Democrats in November, there will be a lot of justified finger-pointing at the president and jokes about whether the Inflation Reduction Act would be more accurately called the Democrat Reduction Act. <laughs> uh, did you see this latest New York Times poll? I mean, it is ugly for the Dems. Just 24% of likely voters said the country's on the right track. 64% said the country is headed in the wrong direction. Um, That is not always a guarantee of bad news because we'll remember that in 2004, the Democrats and their media were always running around saying a majority of Americans said the country was going in the wrong direction, and then they reelected Bush. So right and wrong direction isn't the same as Republican-Democrat. But, you know, it's still a bad indicator. When asked whether they approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president, In the New York Times poll, 39% said they approve, 58% said they disapprove. When asked an open-ended question about what the biggest problem facing the country is, 26% said the economy or jobs or the stock market, and another 18% said inflation. Just 5% said abortion. See, the Democrats are all running around like abortion's going to be the hottest issue, but their own polls... Show it's not the hottest issue. Um, uh, clearly, they think this is an issue that's going to turn out Democrats, and that may may end up being true. Once again, they're looking at what they're trying to go. They're trying to get young voters out, young men and young women who want to have that abortion in their toolbox. Uh, that's that's they're focusing on young voters. They're focusing on minority voters. And let's not focus on people who wear Black Lives Matter t-shirts and want to codify Roe versus Wade. Huh? <laughs> they never want to deal with that fact. And that's what I would throw in the face of Mandela Barnes. Please say you're for abortion in all nine months and you're for Black Lives Matter. Oh, but that's black people deciding their own autonomy and destroying other black people unborn people well then don't come to us all this junk about genocide and certainly don't come to us with this junk about white fragility charles blow was on msnbc by the way and said we're not going to fix anything in this country till we get to white fragility if you want to talk about a concept that's going to turn out the republican voters and it's going to turn the independent voters to pulling the tab for Republicans, keep saying white people are all inherently racist and fragile. (laughs) Oh, sure, that's going to work for you. 
you know, I imagine it this way, where they say, you know, Charles Blow would say to the white person, well, you're a racist. And a white person like me would say, how do you know? You don't know me. I'm not a racist. And then Charles Blow says, well, obviously you're fragile. That's not a debate. But this is the game they're playing. White people are racially fragile. A lot of liberals are fragile. I mean, we've been through this. The LGBTQ people, very fragile. Don't, you better say Z and Zer. I'm a woman, the guy rages in the store. <laughs> okay. Somebody's fragile. Other polls. In the YouGov CBS News Battleground Tracker poll, very few Americans share Biden's opinion that the U.S. economy is as strong as hell. Did you see this clip? Joe Biden eating an ice cream, saying, ah, the economy's strong as hell. Hey, what's in your ice cream there? Did somebody put some uh, THC in your ice cream? Hunter powder, a little cocaine in your ice cream? The economy is not strong as hell. Where are the fact checkers? These so-called independent fact checkers. Yes, the unemployment rate is low. But what about the entire rest of the economy? Yike. Just 6% of respondents in the CBS News poll said things in America today are going very well. And just 5% rated the economy as very good. Those are all the people with the loaded ice cream cones. Overall, 29% rated things in America today as going very well or well. And 71%, 71%, it's either going badly or going very badly. 40% choosing going very badly. That is the environment that we're in. Now, one last point today. We're going to go back to national public radio. I was in the car. I listened to NPR in the car to agitate myself. Yike! What is this? I'm on my commute listening to Morning Edition. Morning Subtraction. Anyway, Steve Inskeep had an interview with a radical crank. His name is Anand Gerardas. I mean, who can pronounce it? I guess they had a, they had a pronunciation there. Um, and Anand was very upset at Joe Biden because in 2020 he ran an ad saying rioting is not protesting, looting is not protesting. That would seem to be a true statement. Fact check true. Mostly peaceful protesting is protesting. Riot and looting is rioting and looting. It's crime. It's violent crime. It's property destruction. Oh, but according to this guy, that demoralizes the Democrat base. Now, isn't this interesting? The liberal media is deeply invested in the idea that the Republicans are a bunch of January 6th riot deniers. That is not the opinion of the Newsbusters podcast or Newsbusters in general. Uh, but there's this idea, oh, They've tried to downplay it. Well, that's because they're always upplaying it. They use words like deadly. Yeah, it was deadly to Ashley Babbitt because the cop shot her. This is the one cop shooting everybody was in favor of over on the left. I mean, liberal Twitter is very nasty about Ashley Babbitt. I'm not saying she did the right thing. 
or that she was in her right mind that day. George Floyd wasn't in, in his right mind the day he was he died in police custody. But he's now St. George Floyd. They got stained glass windows to George Floyd. But you listen to liberal Twitter on Ashley Babbitt, it's just nasty. Domestic terrorist, she deserved what she got. But they love using these words. It's an insurrection. But now, you know, you go on NPR and they have a debate about, well, rioting is sometimes good, apparently. The way that uh, Anon said it was, well, if you come to me and says and say immigrants are animals and I say immigrants are not animals, I'm correct, but I've now gotten into a conversation about the animalness of immigrants, and that's the wrong conversation for me to be having. It demoralizes the base to say looting and rioting is bad. So Steve Inskeep, uh, Steve Inskeep came rushing to Joe Biden's defense on this ad like a good Democrat. Let me concede your point that if you respond all the time to the person who says the outrageous thing, you're fighting on their turf and you may lose the argument just by even having the argument. But in this specific example, you have Joe Biden, who is a Democratic leader wanting to appeal to a broad coalition of people and concludes that people of all races and income strata and everything else probably do not want shops destroyed and downtowns destroyed. And he stands against that. And he concludes that most people would like to have police protection and that defund the police is a very bad slogan. Why was that such bad politics for him to say those things? I don't think anybody was saying he should have said defund the police. And I'm not sure that Anat or anybody else would say there's no way to talk about rioting. But she did say he should not have done this ad condemning rioting. Now, uh, the author basically said the problem is you demoralize your own base because now to your own base, which in Joe Biden's case was black voters, you signal to your base you are equating protests against injustice with the injustice itself. And there's just a lot of research that that demoralizes your most passionate supporters. Yes, it alienates people of color. So the debate on our taxpayer-funded broadcasting is between liberals or leftists about whether Joe Biden is a cuck because he said looting is not protesting. This is what we get in, when we surrender our tax dollars for national public radio. You know, NPR didn't go looking for Donald Trump backers to say that condemning January 6th was a terrible idea because it demoralizes the Republican base and it's fighting on Nancy Pelosi's turf. This is the way that you can say the liberal media act like liberals are, or leftists are snowflakes. They can't be challenged on something very obvious, and that is that looting and rioting are violent. And if the news media were truly neutral and interested in civility and in avoiding civil war and all these things they're always threatening are going to happen, then maybe they should be against looting and rioting. NPR can't say that. They, 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 did, they promoted a book called In Defense of Looting. They had on an author that's suggesting that riots for racial justice should be defined as rebellions. I say baloney. That's why you come to Newsbusters. If you want to know what's going on in your name with your tax dollars, you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for checking in.